Let's talk Independence Day Resurgence. Uh, the, the sequel, 20 Years in the Making, um, the original Independence Day premiered in 1996. It was one of the biggest films of the year. In fact, one of the biggest films of all time at the time. 20 years later, at a, at a sequel, the very first sequel, directed by the director of the original, Roland Emmerich, and once again starring uh, Jeff Goldblum and Bill Pullman. Uh, Will Smith not returning for the sequel, more on that later. Uh, in this sequel, uh, the aliens are back, surprise, surprise. Um, I don't even know where to go from there. I really don't know where to go from there. I, I'm, I'm a very big fan of the original Independence Day. It's probably, um, for me, um, I watched it when I was 10 years old and it was my Star Wars as a kid, which I know a lot of people will probably think it's not on the same level as Star Wars, but for me, at 10 years old, it really was. I, didn't ha I wasn't exposed to Star Wars like others. Mm. Now, I'm guessing you were. Uh, no, I didn't. It was Jurassic Park for me. Jurassic Park was the was the big film for me when I was a kid. I, I didn't catch Star Wars until the '97 re-releases. So okay, um, but I do remember Independence Day from childhood as well. So you would Definitely. have been nine. Uh, yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, and I was I was ten. The truth is, um, with Independence Day, that the reason that it resonated with me so much was because. I found it absolutely terrifying. Mm. Um, I thought it was really scary. And I really believe that there were aliens on the way. It's funny because I think that applies to me with Jurassic Park as well. well you believed in uh, dinosaurs? I, and yeah. Little islands. I, I still find the, um, the T-Rex attack just absolutely terrifying to watch. The one anyway. with, with the kids? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're not okay. talking about Jurassic Park. Although, I wish we were. Oh, but, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's ironic because I think the way you feel about Independence Day Resurgence is... Uh, a little more extreme but not a million miles from how I felt about Jurassic World to be honest so. and how do I feel about Independence Day Resurgence well here's here's my opinion on Independence Day Resurgence so it's difficult to get a sequel um, for something like Independence Day first of all I mean mm. Independence Day was a um, at the time a sort of contemporary version of something like War of the Worlds or yeah. you know your typical alien invasion film done in a contemporary way um and like I said, I've, I bought into it. So I didn't see it as some kind of cheesy, corny affair. As 10 years old, I, I bought it as a very serious sci-fi drama. That, and it was really horrific. It scared the living crap out of me. That's how I felt. I remember being terrified by it. And it was only as the years went by that I started to see more of the fun in it. But it really is, for me, a special film. The, the problem with something like Independence Day straight away is that it doesn't need a sequel. It, it, it's such a self-contained story. It just doesn't need a sequel. The only way to go forward with Independence Day is the aliens come back, which is what they've done. And in the sequel, to be fair, story-wise, they've probably done pretty much the only thing they could do. The aliens come back and we've got to fight them again. I think their, their justification for the aliens returning is, is done quite well. Really? Personally. Well, I mean, it, it's you. You learn that it wasn't just uh, a random attack the first time. They they were after something. They weren't. The humans believed them to be a plague, a, a locust type species who just went around destroying stuff for the sake of destroying stuff. And mm. and you learn now that wasn't the case. And they were actually after something, trying to achieve something, and having heard a distress call from the first wave they know that they haven't achieved that goal so they've gone back 
to achieve the same goal with with more force. But, but I, I, I've seen the film now and I still can't tell you what the goal was. They they're, they're, drilling drilling, into the earth. they're drilling into the earth to um, absorb the... <laughs> really? to, to absorb the earth's core because they need it to power their ships. Right. And, and their, their, their sort of species, their lifestyle, what, what they use. Basically, they strip mine planets... Um, and use their energy. So why didn't they just do that in the first one? Well, you find out that they were. You you find out that in the first one, it's very America-centric, whereas we find that there was a ship in Africa that started drilling to the Earth's core in the first attack. Right. And because it, had la- it was the only ship that landed, and because it had landed for 10 years, it had been at war with this... Um, sort of African tribe well I I sort of took that it was a nation that was run by a warlord right which in itself didn't sit right with me that one of the heroes that we then followed was an African warlord but I may have misunderstood that I misunderstood a lot of it so <laughs> I, I'm but I'm, it's it, uh, it, that, that sort of made sense to me the reason for them being there and it, it made sense to me that considering how America-centric the first one was, we wouldn't necessarily know about the second ship. The only part of it that didn't make sense to me mm-hmm. is why the entire world didn't send their forces to destroy this ship and why the this this small African nation was left to fend for themselves and fight it off themselves while the rest of the world just monopolized and uh, mined all the alien technology and and yet this african nation was just left to fend for itself okay so we obviously we're starting with the story and already i know there are going to be people listening to this going you're pulling apart the story of independence day 2 you know mm. who cares about the story but i think more so with the sequel than than the original in the original you don't need a reason for it to happen mm. just aliens come yeah a- alien that, that's been happening in in fiction since war of the worlds mm. you know aliens just turn up and they want to destroy the earth no rhyme or reason they just do whereas i think with this one you you need a reason for them to come back and i think they kind of achieve that really i can let that go i can let the story go to be honest i i do think that a lot of it doesn't make sense and certainly the end doesn't make any sense the way it sort of goes Oh, well, we'll go. Because it really does sort of end like, oh, okay, you win, we're going. Well, it does. I mean... They just sort of go. Well, they, they, they're, they're, they're defeated. We'll come on to that a bit, bit more later. So, like, the story is, I can accept, but I definitely think the, the biggest problem with resurgence for me is the execution. Now, bearing in mind, this is by the same director, okay, mm-hmm. Roland Emmerich. And if you look at things like Independence Day 1, and especially Stargate, there's, they have a fantastic sense of style and, and continuity. And I think the biggest difference here, for me, that ruins Independence Day resurgence is that it's a bit like the old sitcom thing that me and you talk about all the time, that I say that the problem with comedy these days is that people pay, uh, the actors 
and performers play the comedy for comedy whereas they used to play it serious and out of the seriousness came the comedy mm. and I think Independence Day suffers from the same problem they played the first film very very serious and I'm not it, sure there's a lot of comic relief in that film yeah but they played it serious and the comedy mm. came out of that whereas this the now everybody knows or people seem to remember Independence Day as much cheesier than I believe it to be they played the sequel much more corny and now it comes across as ludicrous because it, it just seems like they are playing it I hard think da- David's father is clearly supposed to be a comic character in the first film yes um, the guy that works with David I can't remember the, oh my god I gotta call my ma <laughs> there is <laughs> no Harvey, Harvey there is no way that he is supposed to be in any way shape or form a serious character that's fine but that's, that's a character no and David's dad as well okay but to be fair Will Smith is pretty much played for it's Will Smith he's, yeah, he's but, not uh, playing it straight really but, but he? he is playing it straight he's not playing it for comedy he doesn't he isn't like and here's the gag which in the sequel they all seem to be it's like everybody knows the gag like the, the continual mm. reference of oh they like to get the big you know the iconic landmarks you know like play it a bit softer for goodness sake you, you're playing it for but see that that to me seemed like something that the David character would say in the wake of the first film because in the first film they do specifically destroy the landmarks and they actually play with that line later in the film when you see a completely levelled Paris with the Eiffel Tower still standing mm. which which to me seemed like a, a callback to that line well I still argue that the execution is, is farcical I, I think it, at a point it became embarrassing it was it, it just played the comedy too hard. It didn't take itself seriously, which a lot of people I know will be saying, well, that's the point, but I don't believe it is. My recollection of this is it was fairly serious, the first one, because I was younger, obviously, so I'm going to look at it differently. Mm. But there was a lot of seriousness. The scenes in the original film where you see the destruction of LA and New York, and they're terrifying. There's nothing, there's nothing funny about those. Mm. And this is like everything is meant to be hilarious. Everything is meant to be funny and cheesy and corny, and I, I think it devalues the original film. I, I think they made a mistake showing us the, the only real mass destruction scene from the point of view of characters watching it from a safe distance. Hmm. I think we should have seen something more ground level okay. in that scene. But then having said that, it was so chaotic and so destructive that I don't know how you would have shown anything from ground level. Well, now you mentioned the destruction. Here's the other problem I got with the film is that it's, it is a Roland Emmerich film. And ever since uh, Godzilla, I suppose after Godzilla, he just literally ditched um, the old school filmmaking techniques. Mm. I mean, Independence Day is filled with magnificent model work and there is not a fraction of it to be seen in this. It so, is a CGI washout. To me, you've got two distinct portions of Roland Emmerich's career you've got the pre-CGI 90s portion and you've got the CGI day after tomorrow onwards mm. portion and and to be honest I'm not a fan of of Roland Emmerich since day after tomorrow maybe even Godzilla mm. although I think Godzilla's better than it's given credit for it's got its moments um, but I just haven't been a fan I haven't seen 2012 I hated um, and well I didn't hate White House Down um, but 
it was just sort of Roland Emmerich making a diehard film really not doing a particularly good job of it either no I mean if you, if you compare the two White House films that came out that year it's vastly superior to Olympus Has Fallen for me because of that sense of humour I'm, I'm completely um, on the other side because I think Olympus Has Fallen is a far superior film to um, White House Down the thing is I think Roland Emmerich revels in destruction not death Okay, he, he he definitely gets a kick out of destroying well-known landmarks, gets a kick out of destroying cities, but he doesn't dwell on death. Whereas Olympus Has Fallen very much dwelled on death and and, and really got a kick out of death. Well, we've talked about the story and, and, and the tone of the sequel, and, and obviously we chatting about Roland Emmerich, the director, I think the, the big problem again with Resurgence is there's far too much focus on, on the visual aspect, which is disappointing on every level anyway. Mm. Don't get what anybody says, but there's definitely not enough direction for the the actors. Um, I, I don't feel like... I, there, there are lots of new characters in this film. I could not tell you, definitely not tell you the, the name of any one of them, what they really do what they're there for there's a lot of characters that are not introduced and the original is so good at introducing you to everybody mm -hmm. um, you get to see everybody what they do who they are where their place is in this story and you can kind of see yeah I can see where this is going I can see why they're going to connect to that you know much better than many other films have done, you know, like things like Love Action and stuff come close, but you know, yeah. there's a lot of characters, like a soap, and they do all come together well, whereas this is, it doesn't. And all the new characters are bland, really bland. I, I do think to a certain extent it felt um, that within the 20 years that had passed, all these characters had, had got to know one another, built relationships, and we were just sort of dropped into that and gone right this is the status quo this is how these characters are now without any real explanation as to why or how they got that way um, for instance Will Smith's son's character hmm. it was just sort of like yeah he's you know he's very high up in the air force now yeah uh, why? exactly what, <laughs> what happened? What, uh, and, and they sort of you, you very much feel that they when Will Smith declined to come on board or they declined his salary they didn't rewrite the character much no that's true you sort of feel like if Will Smith at the beginning of the film had walked into the White House decorated in Air Force colours you'd have gone yeah that makes sense and mm. see how he's now at that point mm. and if he was one of the you know sort of pilots being sent up to do the Independence Day display over the moon base and things you think yeah that makes sense mm. and mm. and you sort of feel so they've just given all this to his son because he's his son so we, we can pretty much say then that that, that that character was Will Smith's character they replaced it with his son and just didn't do any effort to, to, no. to give him a backstory the, they put a very loose backstory in there with Liam Hemsworth's character mm. that probably wouldn't have been the case otherwise because of the age difference mm. Um, but they, I, I really feel like that is how Will Smith's character would have been in the script, pretty much verbatim. And of course, you mentioned uh, Liam Hemsworth, who, again, bland. I just thought he was just dull to watch and not exciting at all. No, I didn't feel like there was um, 
sorry, what's the name of the actor who plays uh, Will Smith? Uh, it's Jesse, Jesse Usher. Jesse Usher. Mm. Okay, so I didn't feel there was really much of a need for Jesse Usher and Liam Hemsworth to be in this film. No, none at all. They, they one or the other yeah. would have sufficed. <laughs> uh, preferably Jesse Usher, because at least that was a character, if not an actor, we already knew. Um, Liam Hemsworth just seemed to have no point and his sidekick even less but they're, they're just two characters in a film filled with nobodies frankly I mean uh, uh, I was quite excited to hear that uh, Celia Ward is in it as the president and she played uh, Dennis Quaid's wife in Day After Tomorrow yeah. I quite enjoyed her in that she had a very small role but she had a story and a purpose and a reason for being there and it was enjoyable mm-hmm. in this nothing the, I can't tell you anything about her apart from the fact she's the president that's it and again so overplayed she, it's so knowing of it being it's like this is a ridiculous film so let's play it really mm. ridiculous I just thought it was so ridiculously corny I didn't I didn't enjoy her being killed off screen and a throwaway line that the entire line of presidential succession were all in the same place mm. and um did, did you feel it was made obvious why William Fitchner's character was suddenly next in line to be president? No. Because that made no sense to me whatsoever. From what I could gather, he was just a general yeah. in the army. Actually, that was a bit of really weird. And then out. all of a sudden, he was being sworn in as president because they put the entire presidential line of succession in the same place. Mm. No, what? What? No, no completely. <laughs> I mean, completely. I, that really. I, I, don't get me wrong. I'll watch anything that's got William Fitchner as president. But it didn't make any sense to me story-wise. No, definitely not. And uh, and uh, and this is just scraping the surface on unnecessary characters and their lack of purpose. For example, uh, Vivica A. Fox returning as Will Smith's. Oh, that was worthwhile, girl. wasn't it? Well, yeah. no. Um, she might as well have just been a plate on a table somewhere in a scene because yeah, that was completely pointless. And I'll I'll completely buy that um, you know a woman can develop from sort of a young streetwise single mother stripper stripper uh, into a qualified doctor I'm going to say because she certainly didn't look like a nurse no no, I would say uh, doctor qualified doctor I'll buy that that can happen in 20 years but just give me a little explanation as to how just, I, just the slightest I will, that didn't even bother me as much as the fact that she was in two scenes mm. doing something but she saved a baby though yeah and I, but again it was like just give her something to do yeah. it wasn't like that really connected with anything it, else going it on it was like they had an Independence Day reunion party and everyone went yeah I'll do it apart from Will Smith who yeah. had too much to drink and went home <laughs> and, and Viv Cray Fox was sort of sat in the corner and they sort of went oh yeah do you want to be involved as well it was like the second that Will Smith was out they had no idea what to do with her yeah and they really didn't I mean, and, and I feel like they probably cast her while they were still hoping they would get Will, Will Smith. Smith and once he said no they were like mm, what are we going to do now I'll just make her into a nurse and she can um, yeah. I don't know save a baby and um, <laughs> and then she can just disappear and, and just the, it happening in front of her son and him just to sort of no oh, right I'm over it now yeah 
No, it was. I mean, that, don't don't get me wrong. Those five seconds did have a little bit of an emotional resonance with me because the feeling of him being sat in his jet, helpless, just having to watch his mother die, that had a little bit of emotional resonance. Mm-hmm. But it was instantly forgotten about. It, it really was. It was. I didn't feel anything. <laughs> I mean, I, I've generally felt less in this film. I tell you what, probably didn't help me at all because I do have such an emotional attachment with the original. I watched the first before I went to see this mm-hmm. in the evening. Um, I, I tell you honestly, I, I squealed like a girl. I laughed. I cried. I was excited. I had adrenaline pumping. I loved watching it again. I really did. And I went in watching that in the evening. It was just nothing. I might as well just stared at a wall. It, that I felt nothing for it. I've never felt so disappointed in, in any sequel. For me, this was, this was the episode one of my life. This was, you know, Phantom Menace, but worse, frankly. See, I think because I don't have that attachment to the original, I enjoy the original as something I will stick on on a Sunday afternoon if I've maybe, you know, got a bit of a hangover and I'll just sit there and I'll eat some junk food and I'll watch Independence Day. And that that is what the original is to me. I love it, but I love it for the, is that sort of film. And while there is no argument that the sequel is not, is inferior, you know, it is. Mm. Um, I saw it as that sort of film as well. I think my issue with it is is that I, I have a lot more investment in it. I, I, I have a greater respect for it. I, I, uh, it has a higher value for me. Mm. And I, don't even, I think the thing that insults me the most, and I have seen this on the internet, mm. that I think people that value it like me do feel like that the director and the cast and everybody involved in this has devalued it. Their, their memory of the original yeah. is far cheaper than my memory of it. They've looked at it and gone, yeah, that was, that was a goofy bit of fun. Let's do another one. In yeah. the way that you would value something like Mars Attacks. Mm. Now, if this was a sequel to Mars Attacks, tonally, it's much more suitable. <laughs> this is, is just embarrassing. I, it's just very embarrassing. I think where I'm torn as to what the intention was here is the, you know, Roland Emmerich, Dean Devlin, Jeff Goldblum, um, Bill Pullman Brent Spiner everyone being back makes it feel like a proper sequel made with love but then you look at it from the other side and it's like Fox have sort of shuffled through their sock drawer and their junk drawer and gone "Mm, what have we got in here that we can repurpose and try and build a franchise of oh Independence Day that'll do that's got got aliens in it that is the entire reason for this definitely once you get to where the end the direction the end seems to be pointing in definitely seems like this is now going to become a space adventure series and they needed to make this film to set up what they're now going to be hoping is a space adventure you know going around visiting different planets different species of aliens I mean this one introduces a new species of alien yeah which again really really ticked me off really the, did the eye alien it was, it was apple alien it looked like the spaceship from Hitchhiker's Guide like to the a, Galaxy it looked like a pokeball is what it looked like <laughs> But it, but it, it looked like Marvin's head from yes, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Marvin's head, that, that is what it looked like. It was just a giant uh, Marvin's but head. I, you know, I have nothing wrong with him 
introducing a Oh, I do. Another alien spirit. Why? Because it, it was never about... To me, this is the issue with it because it is like they're trying to... They're trying to create a new Star Wars for them and they mm. they might as well have picked um, Mrs. Doubtfire as the starting point for it. It's just not that so franchise. How do you feel about the fact they've reverse engineered all this technology and they've got bases on the moon and uh, on one of Saturn's moons and on Mars? That makes sense. All the stuff about the humans adopting the technology to defend themselves makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you one thing about the um, the way this film was sold to me. I, I will admit that I only saw the teaser trailer, which mm-hmm. I stand by as being better than the film. I'll happily watch that teaser trailer and just imagine that I've never seen the final product and yeah. it being like the dream of the sequel I always wanted. Mm-hmm. It's a damn good trailer. I never watched any other trailers. And that first trailer... And a lot of the marketing doesn't really push the fact that you're actually in a much more sci-fi world. I agree. Um, which really didn't did nothing for me. I was really the first sort of ten minutes I was in this film. I was really taken aback, mm. and I felt really sort of like, "Whoa, hang on, what's what's happening here?" Yeah. This flying. Fly, this looks like 2015 in Back to the Future Part Two. It what, does. What yeah. is what is going on here? <laughs> But then, as you get into the film, you settle into that. It, you know, it all it all adds up, and it all makes sense. But I think that's part of the sort of this attachment with this film as compared to the original as well. The, the original was very much, what if aliens came and invaded nineteen ninety six? You know, present day. Whereas this one is a lot more difficult to form that attachment with because it just feels like aliens are invading some distant sci-fi universe mm. or, or some parallel universe mm. it doesn't feel like our world and I think yeah again that ties in with my evaluation of the original in that mm. I find it so scary because it really did feel like this is this could happen to me here today I really bought into that mm. this is your typical 1996 this is what it feels like and, and then aliens turn up and blow the shit out of the world you know and it, that is what terrified me about it and again that's going to be a lot to do with why I didn't connect with the sequel it did feel like like you said like a sort of Back to the Future 2 mm. and I didn't expect it to be quite that much but the thing that from the get go uh, of the, uh, the announcement of this project and when they started doing the viral campaigns and stuff the first thing I was thinking of was how are they going to do how are they going to portray Earth after a major attack how yeah. are they uh, surely all the landmarks have gone they shouldn't be there. And the idea that they just rebuilt them exactly the same, to me, well, didn't they work. They, they weren't, like, the White House looked noticeably different. It looked like a building that had been built in tribute to the original White House. The B- Big but Ben was also didn't. different. Big Ben Big Ben looked exactly the same. And why is the wheel there? Because the wheel wasn't there in 1986. And you can't tell me that, oh, even though aliens blew up the planet, they're still going to go ahead with that plan for the wheel things like that did bug me as much mm. as they're trivial I just thought yeah, well, I mean, it wouldn't, it, it it wouldn't would, be there it would be a domino effect that would that would um, you know cause things like that not to happen you just simply wouldn't have the infrastructure to be arsing about building a big wheel exactly when you had Big Ben to rebuild <laughs> exactly and, and I, I was quite disappointed that because there is a you know on paper if you read that scene where you know literally a city lands on London I mean that sounds yeah. like something that should be brilliant but visually it it didn't it just didn't mm. feel real I didn't buy any of it I wasn't excited by it at all it was just kind of like oh well look at that CG stuff there and there it just so, didn't 
didn't to feel be, real. To be honest, if we're talking about why the big wheel was there, I think we need to, if you're going down that route, I think you need to think about how short a space of time 20 years actually is. Um, to Because nothing was in the process of being rebuilt. Okay, the world had moved on, the world was rebuilt. To use a real world example, uh, the uh, World Trade Center reopened two years ago. Mm-hmm. So that was, what, 13, 14 years that took. Now, that's just one site. Yeah. Okay, we're talking cities. Mm. So realistically, I, the world should still be in a fairly large state of rebuilding. I mean, I suppose you could argue that the the alien technology, alien technology that's their that's their uh, yeah, that's they, their Deus Ex Machina exactly. now. Every, everything, everything. It's it's uh, you know it's the new equivalent of a wizard did it. It's, <laughs> it's why is that alien technology? Yeah, yeah. But and uh, again, I just. I know people are probably listening going, oh, for God's sake, get a grip. It's just a sci-fi action film. But this stuff is important. I, I can't buy into this universe if you're going to just think, well, it doesn't really matter. Just whatever. But I have, I have to say, while I was sat there in the theatre watching the film, none of these things crossed my mind. It's only having the analytical mind I do that since watching the film, I've thought about these things. But I wasn't, none of these things hurt my enjoyment of the film. I wasn't sat there thinking, well, that's ridiculous. 20 years later, they should st- still be rebuilding. I was like, oh, it's the future. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Oh, flying cars. Yeah, but again, it was the glossiness of it just, you know, they should have gone on Blade Runner on it. They should have been model screens flying everywhere and, you know, yeah. a model of Big Ben being blown up. And, you and know, I, I think it's very naive to think that an alien attack would create peace throughout the entire world if 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 you're going to tell me that in the wake of an alien attack north korea wouldn't be and and countries like russia and and possibly china wouldn't be hoarding as much alien technology as possible and trying to build their own super weapons it doesn't add up to me that the whole world would just go oh well we all fought off an alien invasion together let's all be friends <laughs> I mean, look! Look at what's happened over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, polit- yeah, politically, um, it was interesting well, watching we just it at mentioned this time. The idea that me, we might want to leave the EU and Europe have all turned their backs <laughs> on us. <laughs> yeah, you're right though. But but you know, you said yourself those things didn't come to your mind as much when you're watching it. But for me, what did come to my mind? I don't think we've come onto it yet. But the, the, there are a lot of technical faults for this film in my opinion mm. the number one being the pacing is all over the shop it mm. does seem like somebody edited this film and gone oh that bit has like three three seconds of silence just cut that out and, and move the dialogue forward and oh that yeah. bit has got like five minute gap let's just cut that out there's no pacing it's just get through the scenes get through the dialogue get to the next action scene get to the end I think the most noticeable example of that is um, Liam Hemsworth's little pop from the moon to Earth, it was like popping round the corner to the shop. <laughs> just, uh, just popped down to Earth. Said, "Do you want to come to the moon, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum?" Yeah, all right. Let's go to the moon. Pop back up again. <laughs> Ridiculous. But I mean, I, I, I suppose I'm looking for more emotional scenes and something that just they never even considered it. They're, like, look at the original film again. 
um, the uh, Bill Pullman's character mm-hmm. Whitmore and then you've got um, his wife who was played by Mary MacDonald I think in the original yeah she played the first lady Marilyn yeah. now I bet it's something you've never thought about but they only have one scene together in the first film every scene they have together they're not in the same room she's somewhere else yeah. he's in the White House and yet, all the way through, they're building this relationship. That, you know, this you know couple that we've never met before. And you buy it. You buy every scene, and that scene where you see her in the hospital and she's mm. dying. I'm telling you now that you can't tell me. Oh, yeah, it was hilarious when it was like, oh, it's a corny mm. death. You bought it. I really felt for them, Pierre. I really felt like there was an emotional connection. And yet, you look at all the scenes with with Bill Pullman and his daughter, or Jeff Goldblum and his ex girlfriend or whatever she was I, I, I haven't even started on her yet with a weird accent I, there's I, just no emotional attachment to any of it no one is emotionally invested in this film at all I honestly spent two thirds of this film thinking that that character was supposed to be his ex-wife from the first film oh the um, was it Charlotte Charlotte Gainsbourg is that yeah. yeah I just thought they'd recast her did they even mention in the film what happened to his um, Connie from the first one no I just thought they'd recast her. I honestly, it, the, the character had such little resonance for me that when she was introduced, I just, for some reason, my head cannon went straight to, oh, that must be Connie. And that was that. Because I, I can't remember where I found this out now, because I didn't hear it in the film, but someone told me the reason she's not in is because she had a car accident. Not the actress, the character. What? And that's mentioned in Resurgence, is it? it? Either that, there's, the, the thing is, there's so much material that is available uh, to bridge the two films. There's a comic book series, right. there are three novels that are available now, um, and there is a novelization of this film. Um, and I wonder whether it's mentioned in any of those things. But apparently, that's why she's not there. But I didn't get a moment where that was even mentioned. I just think mm. there's lots of these things they just kind of go it doesn't matter just get to the alien bit get to the bit where things blow up and I'm thinking that's all very well and good but I need to buy into this I already don't buy into the, the world because it's too futuristic I don't buy into the characters because they don't even believe in themselves anymore there's no emotional investment there's no structure to the story and the pacing is all over the shop I am not buying this film I don't get it I'm not mm. in it and I know that sounds silly and I'm sure like I said people go in it's just meant to be a bit of fun you know relax but I'm sorry you can have a bit of fun there are lots of really good silly films that still have thought behind them they've thought about these things and, they, and they've thought about the scenes and there's direction in the acting there's nothing here nothing I think at all in terms of characters I think what irritated me the most was not so much the treatment they got but the missed opportunities Mm. like Bill Pullman's character was clearly um, you know mentally affected by his sort of mind meld should we call it in the the first film Mm. and you're just supposed to take that as given sort of yeah by the way he's crazy now because of that in the first film but I want to see a little more exploration of that you know did he has he is he trying to fight this off? Has he got this sort of alien consciousness now living within him that he's constantly battling with? Mm. Um, but they just went, yeah, he's crazy now. He's crazy. That's fine. You know, the hero, the, the resolute, standing strong hero of the first film. Yeah, he's crazy now because he got a bit of alien in him. <laughs> and it's like, right, okay. But can we can we have a bit of explanation there? Yeah. And, and 
I mean, there's already controversy about the casting of his daughter in this. In a very awkward way, because you've got mm. Mika Monroe playing his daughter, who is a fabulous actress. She's really good. Uh, really enjoy her in The Guest. I think she's wonderful. I really do. When I heard they cast her, I thought, great, really good. Some good acting chops in this. Mm-hmm. She does nothing at all. And she has no chemistry with anybody. I, I don't blame the actress, by the way. I, I blame the very poor direction and very poor writing. There could have been some wonderful scenes with her and her dad. And yeah. a totally wasted opportunity. Ditched for the sake of... Uh, doing a sort of nod recreation of the scene with um, uh, Brent Spiner's character from the first one up against yeah. the window. And they do that with Bill Coleman without any impact of the original. It didn't have any. And it, there's a good example of the, the difference between pacing of the sequel and the original. You watch that original one, you really are like on tender hooks. You're like, is something going on behind that mm. window? And boom. Whereas this was like, you know what's going to happen. And they made no effort to go, boom, there we go, a little scare, nothing. It was just like, yeah, just do it, get on with it. it was, she had nothing to do he had nothing to do and you're right they didn't explore those character traits and those those things that 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 really could have made a more interesting story and I still don't quite understand this whole thing about Bill Pullman's character in this film was he insane because they played it like he's just a crazy man when we we know it was because of his in in the first film the aliens get inside his head right and he collapses um and so I my understanding was that that had had a more long-term effect on him and he had this sort of like connection like psychic connection with them that he was you know that probably had been dormant for a fair while but now they were returning was growing and growing and growing and it was it was sort of giving him nightmares and bothering him and stuff but as I say the character that we know from the first film would have been fighting that and saying look this is what's happening Mm. they're they're coming back this psychic link is getting worse let me help you you know do what you've got to do tie me to a bed and analyse my brain patterns do whatever you've got to do to let me help you whereas instead he's just basically led in bed feeling sorry for himself Mm. And, and it's like oh by the way he's crazy now because he's got a beard and now he's shaved it off like he's a hero again <laughs> yeah it's just daft it's just nuts it, it's just daft it's just nuts but um, then you know this is the film where someone can be in a coma for 20 years and then just hop out of bed and go for a merry stroll well <laughs> well, here's another thing we haven't even scraped yet I mean yeah okay Brent Spiner's character in the original yeah was very sort of OTT but it was mm. in a nice sporadical sense it wasn't in your face all the way through where See, it definitely I think, was here I think I disagree with you here I don't think he played it any differently for me no he didn't play it differently but but the script and the direction and the amount of scenes he had made it more irritating because he was mm. there doing what he does all the way through whereas in the original it was and we'll put a bit of him in here and a bit in there and a little bit there and then you think he's dead and that's fine but he's he's in it so much I'm yeah, like I am bored of you being like this now it he's is irritating he's got bills to pay nowadays in 96 he was you know one of the major stars of a major franchise <laughs> But he just he just did it for a bit of fun. But. I, I'm I'm sorry because he ends the film and that ending is is proper, you know, uh, straight to DVD nonsense, corny no, rubbish. I like that last line. Oh, that, that no, sort of let's no. take the fight to that. It left me when it cut to black. My first thought was, 
oh that would be awesome I am looking forward to a film where they go and fight back they go off into space and fight back and, and that, that was my initial feeling when that film cut to black it's fascinating that this is our first discussion because I, I could not on a grander scale disagree with you more <laughs> that ending was like someone taking a piss on my face it was just <laughs> an insult it was just so ridiculously corny I just didn't want it to be that stupid I really wanted a I wanted it to be a sort of tongue in cheek and not mm. like look how spoofy this is it might as well have been space balls it really <laughs> might have done it was just so ah so angry with it I really am and we, uh, let's touch on another subject which a lot of people discussed about is the Chinese element in this film which mm. is purely financial it, they've slotted in a character again well two really because you get uh, not Chris um, Liam Hemsworth's sidekick his sole purpose is to have a crush on the um, Chinese pilot yes he literally serves no other purpose in the film yeah and he's pretty irritating too to be fair yeah he um, you know this is uh, Travis Trope by the way uh, sorry Travis Tope Travis Tope I was going to say trope <laughs> he's a walking trope <laughs> yeah. he, he, to me that character just felt like Anton Yelchin was too expensive <laughs> well well yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll go there uh, but but she you, she really doesn't need to be there does she no no although well, I suppose we needed one major character in that group to solidify the uh, because for a film that bangs on about how the world's now unified it's got a lot of characters all from the same country no I agree but we we know that the real reason that she is there is because Fox wants to enter the biggest market and make money out of absolutely film. but the average moviegoer doesn't know that Oh, I'm, I'm sorry I think we're all starting to become a little bit more savvy than that I mean if they had because uh, the idea in this film is that there is a fleet of, of like super pilots that are like you know yeah. almost celebrities right and by the way that bit corny as fuck really pissed me off didn't like that you think either. that's corny have you seen the Manchester United advert <laughs> so Fox have currently got a deal with Manchester United right okay whereby they do adverts for their blockbusters starring Manchester United Okay, so they did one for X-Men, they did one for uh, Deadpool, I want to say, and they've done one for Independence Day where that, um, the uh, Armageddon scene happens, mm. uh, and rather than it being those characters, it's the uh, sort of eight or nine Manchester United players, and then they go up in the sky and they have a space battle, but here's the hilarious thing, they're using football lingo. That's why he says it all for me. And then you're going to enter into... Well, you know, me and Fox, we just don't get on these days, frankly. We just don't get on. Yeah. This whole thing is, uh, this whole thing is motivated by, by money. I know, I know everyone's going to say, well, isn't every film? But, you know, it, there is no reason for this other than Fox don't have Star Wars and we need a new Star Wars and we're still waiting for James Cameron to pull out 20 avatars, so... Do you know what worries me if Fox with Deadpool 2 properly establish how he breaks the fourth wall and it makes another shit ton of money mm. is they'll just chuck him in everything 
because he breaks the fourth wall it'll just have Deadpool pop up <laughs> it'll be like a, like Where's Wally <laughs> every film it'll be like the Stan Lee cameo in, in Marvel films yeah. you just have Deadpool just pop up in every franchise film so in Independence Day there'd be a quick cut to a jet and Deadpool would be in the cockpit he'd just quit to the <laughs> quit to the camera and then cut away again what else, the one else I want to moan about about this film what about the alien queen? Okay, so <laughs> straight from uh, the story of uh, of James Cameron, of course. I mean, the alien queen idea again was just kind of stupid. I didn't like that either. I didn't think it made any sense. And I, and the thing I was really disappointed with about the aliens is that in the first one, that I, I do find them quite scary, even though the, mm. the physical design is not as intimidating as Geek as Alien. But they seem to manage to pull off something quite creepy. Whereas this. Uh, again, I blame the CG. Excesses of CG. I just don't buy. I found the um, the aliens sort of in capture and then them escaping quite scary. Although I thought it was a bit of a missed trick. They could have had, you know, the the outside battle juxtaposed with a handful of aliens escaping within the base. Yes, yeah. run, running loose around the base and them sort of being torn well we've got all our forces deployed out here but we've also got aliens running loose in the in the base but that instead we just saw one alien escape weren't really told what happened to the rest and the accountant was he an accountant oh yeah no there's a, there's another hideously irritating character in this film whoever he was he was just bloody awful to be fair my lack of remembering characters I don't think is necessarily this film without a couple of rewatches and a bit of an IMDB session I normally can't remember most characters names and specific jobs and roles okay well um, I can and I still can't remember <laughs> anybody in this film I, I, he was an accountant he was very irritating and I, I didn't like that idea of just you know him like again it was another one of those well he's there give him something to do yeah. and you're absolutely right though in a film that seems to be in, in many ways is paying homages to other sci-fi franchises and very obviously aliens with the queen yeah. you're right there should have been I mean in fact when the aliens were in uh, enclosures in, in that whatever site mm. it was it did remind me of Alien Resurrection yeah. where you've got all of them in little pods and I thought you're right. You could have had a bloody good colonial marine style alien battle in you yeah. if you had some good characters to follow. Because you had like an accountant. You could have some... justified that, well, we can't take many men off the front line. So a handful of you, come with me. We need to go into this base and fight off these few little aliens. Hmm. But no. No, it was a wasted opportunity. We were, it was... Roland Emmerich went for the spat he, oh, he doesn't think of the claustrophobia and that kind of thing he mm. thought well let's go outside and see this giant Cloverfield style ant so, running around to be fair I didn't hate that I didn't hate the giant alien queen outside it didn't look good though you can't tell me it looked good well aside from um, the alien franchise I'm not entirely convinced that any aliens look good they all look a bit weird and they all just look a bit dumb. And in fact, we haven't even, again, I know you mentioned uh, um, Julius Leverson earlier, um, Judd Hurst's yeah. character. He's another one that's in the film with nothing to do. He's on a bus with some random kids you for know the what? whole I, thing. I actually really enjoyed his story as a little diversion. Um, but I think mainly because I love the character. I, I just, I think he's a great character. Um, 
also immortal it would seem because he doesn't seem to have aged a day in no, 20 years he doesn't look any older than he did in the first for sure yeah. but he he doesn't he doesn't have a purpose he doesn't need to be there and that's the problem he just doesn't need to be there he's there for that reunion party you mentioned earlier that's all there is he, and yeah. then he teams up with Jeff Goldblum at the end and say, like, oh hello we're in the middle of the, you know what is it the white desert isn't that funny here we are oh look it's a queen over there let's crack but, on but with he that is, he is deliberately heading to that place yeah but with a bus of random kids Okay, who cares about a bus of <laughs> no one cares we don't know who they are if you don't care if you don't buy into these people you don't care whether they live or die that's the truth if you don't care mm. about them you don't care you're not invested in whether they survive and that's what that's the difference between a good horror film and, and a bad horror film the good horror films like Alien are the ones where the people you really care about die those are the ones you care about if you don't care about these people because you don't know who they are or why they're there why what's the point I think the real real tragic example of that in this film though is I could not have cared less when President Whitmore yeah yeah when President Whitmore died yeah I literally couldn't have given less of a shit mm. and he's literally the main character in the first film mm. I know it's an ensemble film but I definitely think he's the he's the core that it all rotates around that first film mm. and I just didn't care I just didn't care and then it being a sort of not a pointless sacrifice because it did destroy the, uh, the the queen's ship and armour and whatnot. but oh, I just didn't care no nope. nor did I, I I'll, I'll be frank I didn't care about any of it <laughs> I, I really didn't I, I like I said I've never been more disappointed with a, with a sequel ever just the worst um, anything else I'd like to mention um you, you of course know how I feel about music in films I'm, I'm a really big fan of film scores I really do enjoy them very much and I look into them a lot I'm a massive fan of David Arnold's work mm-hmm. many people know him for the Bond films he did all pretty much all of Pierce Brosnan's and, yeah. the, and a couple of uh, Daniel Craig's he did the score for Independence Day for Stargate for Godzilla people do remember the, Scar- the Stargate theme even from the TV show it was his theme yeah I mean it was the theme tune to the TV show but it was still his theme so, yeah. that he wrote and Independence Day, the score, it was one of the first scores I really discovered as a kid. I, mean, yeah. I loved it. And again, I thought it was very scary. David Arnold, very good at doing the big brassy sort of uh, intense score. This film has Harold Closser doing the score, who did Day After Tomorrow, which was probably his only half decent score, mm-hmm. which he scored that the same time he did Alien vs. Predator, which nobody remembers because it was rubbish. Uh, and another co- uh, composer who was called Thomas Wanker, and for some reason changed his name to Thomas Wonder. Don't know why. Uh, and they co-composed this. Now, I won't go into this too much because I don't think many people are going to care that much, but the music was terrible in that it didn't fit any of the scenes. It was like they must have composed mm. it in a room and said, you are there's 10 tracks that we've just done. Just put them in the film. Oh, and also we forgot to do the theme too. Damn. Okay, well, well, we'll just cover it and you can slot that in. And we'll take the track from the bit where the president does a speech in his first one. We'll stick that in somewhere and I'll do. None of it joined up. None of it matched any of the scenes that were in the background. It was truly awful. And I hope I yeah. never hear any music coming from them ever again. It was I awful. Agree. I thought the score was just an abomination and it didn't fit with the uh, sort of Independence Day theme. Mm. So the classic theme excuse me didn't fit with this new score at all 
so you'd have this sort of quite dull just sort of plodding score and then all of a sudden the theme happened and then it just stopped disappeared again again. terrible just terrible there's probably one moment where I my ears picked up and went whoa okay and there's a bit where the alien ship is approaching the moon before it destroys the moon base Mm -hmm. and there was some really high violins going on it was like ooh like a horror film I literally just go oh but again it was just generic yeah it totally was it was, horror school. it was like trickery in my mind just because mm. they used that sort of that those notes that sort of go whoa something's about to happen and it did make me wake up and then it just disappeared into nothing mm. so I'm not going to spend loads of time on that it was just shit from beginning to end the score was terrible fucking terrible really really upset me um, talking of the moon base if the alien ship had its own gravity yeah that lifted literally the earth off of the earth's surface Mm. shouldn't it have lifted the moon away from the earth or at least lifted the moon base off of the moon they didn't have it turned on at that point okay the off switch was on but it wasn't a weapon was it they, they were literally saying it was so big it had its own yeah but it's alien technology food. that's what it oh, is okay. it's because it's because alien wi- technology wizard did it yeah yeah yeah. that's what it was okay I wouldn't worry about that Tom nobody cares about that all they want to see is Big Ben being blown up again I like the fact they skimmed the top off the moon as well and they, and they went over the top yeah, which right. is gonna affect the tides and just cause a nightmare no, the fact not- that the moon is now not a circle no it's fine I and prom- they've, they've chopped the top half of the moon off I promise you in the sequel the moon will be back and so will the wheel and Big Ben they'll be back they've, they've fixed it before they even left it's sorted now don't worry about well I hope that. so I've just got Done. visions of the wheel not being destroyed but just rolling through <laughs> London down. just, <laughs> just rolling off moves. yeah um yeah, I think logic goes out the window, doesn't it? But then again, I, you know, people are going to say, well, you know, this is the, the franchise that saved the Earth by plugging a Mac into the uh, mothership, you know, mm. which to me didn't seem that ridiculous at the time because I just thought, well, people always go, how can you destroy an alien ship with a Mac? Well, well no, not really, because they were using the signals in our satellite to, to, to contact all the alien ships. So they were using our technology. So we were putting a virus, sending a virus back. Yeah. That doesn't make, that isn't as ridiculous to me. It's one of those surface level complaints that actually, when explained, makes perfect sense. But people like to use it as a complaint so much. Yeah. They're not willing to, as soon as you start explaining it, they go, no, 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 it's stupid. Whereas actually it makes perfect sense. I think it makes perfect sense. Whereas in this, sort of now we've got to that point, what I was saying earlier with regards to them just flying off is, yeah, it's a trope, but it's a well-established sci-fi trope that you kill the head of any sort of invading force. So be it the the droids in Star Wars or um, the queen in Aliens or whatever. Mm. And the rest will just surrender or disappear or but to be fair they don't uh, like all because the f- they're all they establish that they're all psychically plugged into the queen mm. and that is how I would have liked to have seen Whitmore die or fighting the queen no in a power loader the fact that he is was also psychically plugged into the aliens mm. to me I'd have liked the queen to have that effect on him mm. as well as she did on all the sort of worker aliens should we say mm. so that when she died and they all died he also died 
That would make more sense. So they were victorious and he won, but they knew beforehand when the Queen died, he was going to die. And he fought alongside him and they knew ultimately they either lost this battle or he died. The problem is with that logic is that Brett Spiner's character would have died too, which meant that he wouldn't be able to deliver that amazing final line. But Brett Spiner's character who had no psychic connection whatsoever. He did though. Did he? Yeah. In the new, in Resurgence? Yeah, he did. Him, the tribe guy, and Bill Pullman all had the Ah, they did, yeah. So he wouldn't have been in the end. And he couldn't have said that wonderful line that everybody's going to remember forever. Not. No one's going to remember it. And another point about the end of the first one is going back to my thing of in uh, spending the time investing into the into the film. Mm-hmm. The end point of the uh, the Mac bringing down the mothership yeah. didn't matter as much either because you bought into everything else that went on up to that point. And this you yeah. don't buy into any of it, which is why none of it is acceptable. If if they'd spend more time with. Uh, character development pacing and everything else running up to the end I would not have disliked any of the end stuff as much as I did none of it I would have bought the queen a bit more even Mm -hmm. some of the corny dialogue at the end a bit more but there was no respect to the audience throughout any of the film whereas I think the first one has a lot of respect to the audience Mm. to a point and then it goes right we're going to have a bit more fun now (laughs) and that's fine Um, but in terms of where it goes now all I can say is, I really hope it doesn't go anywhere. I hope this is it. I hope they never touch it again. I hope they realize that this is a just a disaster, an absolute disaster. If this goes anywhere, Saturday morning cartoon with them and their little alien guns off in space. Do that and leave me alone, but do not give me another film like that. I will not be happy. Yeah. I don't know. I'd, I'd happily see another one. I think I'd you're I'd, mad. <laughs> I, of all the films I thought you would hate, I thought this would be the one. I, I'm flabbergasted that it's, you like it more than I do. Do you know what? I'm amazed at myself with with blockbuster cinema specifically this year because everything I went into expecting to love, I didn't really care for. Everything I went into expecting to hate, I really enjoyed. Mm. And I really don't understand it. I want fussed on Deadpool. I loved Batman vs Superman. Quite enjoyed X Men Apocalypse. Quite enjoyed Independence Day Resurgence. I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I don't know what's wrong with you either. Uh, there I, is something wrong I think with you. Someone's <laughs> bummed me on the head, and my sort of taste barometer has gone a bit wonky. I, it doesn't make sense. Uh, one one other thing I really wanted to mention about um, Independence Day Resurgence was the in the original you had Robert Loggia playing like the military general yeah. alongside Bill Pullman and I, I, I knew going in I thought oh, that actor died um, quite a while ago and then there's a scene where the president in Independence Day Resurgence mm-hmm. is there and he's in the background sat in a wheelchair and I was like yeah. weird they must have done prosthetics on somebody to make him look like that actor though. why go to all that effort and then I found out that it really is him and he yeah. did it before he died well it's just uh, for me that just seemed like a neat little cameo you know he was he was already gravely ill at that point mm. and he just spent a day on set as a little cameo as, as a little show of respect but you could have spent that coin a lot better couldn't you mm. I just thought that was a wasted opportunity I don't know I just 
I'm, I'm finding it difficult to, to say anything but positive from a, about from this. From a character point of view, although you know we don't really see much of his character, it does tell us that you know, despite everything his character has been through in the intervening years, which is clearly quite a lot, if we assume from his physical state, he's still part of the, of the military and still fighting this fight. Yeah, I just, I just was like, well, that was weird. Hmm. Really, I, I can... No. Hand, hand on heart, I knew within the first 20 seconds of the film starting that I wasn't going to like it. From the opening title sequence, I was like, oh, no. The it's opening title reminded mental. me of um, Superman the movie. It reminded me of the end of Men in Black in reverse. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's, that's what it felt like. I, but it, it, literally, the second it started, because imagine someone said to you, I know people don't respect independence um, like Star Wars, like I do, but if someone mm. said to you, Star Wars, the first one, they did the, you know, da 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 with yeah. the music and the crawl, and then the second one, they did something different. You'd be like, what? Yeah. Really? You did the crawl? To me, I felt like that straight away. I thought, oh my God, they've done something entirely different. Okay, they didn't have a, it didn't have an iconic opening in the original to most. To me, though, it kind of did. I really loved the way the uh, title sequence worked in the original. That sort of the letters going, mm. and then blowing, and as if like you know, the ship landing and boom, destruction. I just wanted it yeah. to open the same. That is an awful lot like Die Hard, though. In what way? The first Die Hard film, the titles come in like that, don't they? Yeah. They oh, I see what you mean. It's sort of yeah. Hit together and then. I just like I like the continuity in in the visual style. Yeah. But there was know, there I was know. none of that, and also like the music in in the original title sequence is sort of. In fact, that's a point about the whole um, opening of the first film, musically and the pacing. From right from the get go, you feel like something's going to happen. Something's going to happen, and it and it is like an escalation all the way to the point of the destruction whereas this film starts with about half an hour of nothing half an hour of very poor explanation and nothing nothing happens it's very dull whereas the first film is like glimpse of the aliens arriving what's going on on earth oh something's going on up in space back to the aliens all the ships are coming out oh let's meet this character let's meet that character and everything's getting quite tense back to the aliens are coming down to earth oh something else is going on boom mm. you know it just felt like it was building up building up building up building up and then an explosion whereas this was like just dull, 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 dull. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And it didn't introduce any characters properly. It didn't explain who they were. It didn't give you a backstory. They wanted you to buy all the comics and the books that they've released to sort of fill in the gap of 20 years. Dull, 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 dull. I have to say, I wasn't, I wasn't bored at any point during this film. Not, how, not what? How did you watch this film? <laughs> no, honestly, I... How did you watch it? How did I watch it? Was it... At the cinema? Yeah, it's a good place to watch yeah. a film. Um, did you watch it in 3D or 2D? Uh, 2D. Right, and did you watch it in a standard production or was it IMAX? No, it's standard. Just Sunday afternoon. Right, I watched this film at Odeon IMAX in 3D and I was bored to tears. Now that says a lot about the whole film. To be honest, when it was mildly interesting, it was because the 3D was all right. But do you not think maybe... If you just watch a film in standard 2D presentation, you can just sort of sit back and almost let it wash over you and just let it unfold. Whereas I find with 3D um, and IMAX, I'm very much sort of on edge, like, right, when's the when's the 3D IMAX stuff happening? What's going on? This is great, isn't it? Oh, look at this, this is brilliant. And the whole time, I'm, and, and, and if it turned out to be a film that wasn't quite as 
big and action-packed and didn't have sort of the scope of cinematography that IMAX dictates, I might be a little disappointed. I, I didn't find it a distraction. Frankly, I, I found it to be the opposite. I thought I was waiting for 3D just to give me something to do. Because I just felt the rest was just nothing was happening. How the 3D was, was actually how all right. Was the 3D? Was it, was, it, good? it was quite good. Yeah. It was amazing. I've seen better IMAX films. Because I imagine the the shot of the mothership approaching the moon and stuff on IMAX 3D was probably well. Probably you know what? Cool. Those bits weren't as impressive. And I always think I was thinking again if I was watching the original now because they got some great shots. Like, again, we'd think back to like it's, Star it's Wars had a 3D. No, it, upgrade, it, it didn't. It? The original? It, no, it didn't. It didn't. So it's, yeah. it's now at a 4K upgrade. Oh, um, right. which you can get in 4K only in every territory but the UK though they've ditched the 4K release here don't know why oh marvellous um, but you know like in Star Wars when you have that opening shot of the little ship going away mm-hmm. and then like the, the, the ship that crawls over the top of the yeah. screen now Independence Day 1 is filled with all that and yeah. in 3D I can imagine a lot of that to be great because they use actual models whereas yeah. in this this one it was also this oh look there's a nice CG picture rolling over my head it didn't have any weight in, in, the, in the visual so there, it wasn't that great there was maybe I noticed maybe two or three practical effect shots in the whole film I, I can't I couldn't even tell you one and, of them and I think they were just sort of alien tentacle well the alien tentacle around oh his neck uh, Whitmore's neck yeah um yeah. that's probably about it some of the some of the fighting scenes were good with the ships no, not even on a par with the original by the way which the dog fight scenes a lot of people seem to remember more than I do I don't remember that being my favourite bit of the first film but they are quite mm. good but they're certainly better than the ones in this film. Well, I think the first film brought dogfighting to a whole new generation. Mm. World War II films were done, sort of aerial World War II films. Mm. Uh, Star Wars knockoffs were done. Mm. And there wasn't a huge... Uh, Top Gun, yeah, okay, but even that was mid-80s. Mm. So the dogfighting in Independence Day was really the first time that our generation had seen anything like that mm. up on the big screen in, in a big blockbuster whereas now it's done to death every sci-fi film that can fit it in every sci-fi show that can fit it in is it has dogfighting in it alright and so final word on Independence Day Resurgence you, you seem to have enjoyed it uh, yeah <laughs> you reluctantly I, well I did <laughs> to be honest <laughs> Yeah, I'll roll my chair a little further away from you and uh, and say, yeah. Do you know what? I it's it, to me, it felt like the Lost World compared to Jurassic Park. Well, that's very generous of you. I can that's tell you that. that's what it felt like to me. And I don't want to review a film by comparing it to another film, but it's that it's that quite significant decline, and yet fun enough in its own right well you know how people like Alien and then they think Alien 4 is terrible mm. generally I wouldn't even go, give go it go Alien versus Predator oh yeah if, if you really want Actually, that franchise just falling off a cliff yeah. Yeah. well I would say Independence Day Resurgence is worse than that in its comparison fair I'd say it's much is worse it, is it Attack of the Clones to Empire Strikes Back Worse. Whoa. And you know how I feel about Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Whoa. I would say it is worse. I, 
they had all the ingredients. So you're saying the characters in this are worse than the characters in Attack of the Clones. Yes. The dialogue in this is worse than dialogue in Attack of the yeah. Clones. Yeah. I'd, I'd even say visually, Attack of the Clones is probably more satisfying than this. Whoa. That's genuinely how Whoa. really bad I feel about <laughs> it. I really do. It is, it is nothing but an embarrassment for me. 20 years Fair. waiting for that. I think the wait, criticising how long you've had to wait is unfair because I I don't think I even think this is maybe a little bit too soon for the world they've tried to set it in mm. I think any sooner would have you'd have just been watching people clearing up rubble fresh <laughs> <laughs> just yeah just oh. Jeff Goldblum with a broom I, I heartily suggest to anybody that is on the fence about watching Independence Day Resurgence to seek out the original, which has uh, been re-released on Blu-ray, with a brand new transfer made from a 4K master. It does look superb. The mm-hmm. original Blu-ray is a bit iffy. This is miles above the original. Yeah, it's I've, really good. I've got the original, and it's it's okay. It's fine. It's, it's just it's not, not bad. Tra- considering it was one of the first catalogue films yeah. to be onto Blu-ray as well yeah. especially from the 90s which is a tricky era because um, you know stuff wasn't a lot of it was shot on videotape and mm. the effect shots were shot in different quality to the um, the live action stuff and where there is CGI it all needed to be redone and mm. things like that so 90s stuff is tricky um, and with that in mind the original Blu-ray is good but I'm intrigued to see this this new new pressing. While we're on the Independence Day subject on the whole then, how is the extended cut of the original film? Well, I've seen... The extended cut was available previously on DVD. Okay. So I've, I, I know the extended cut very well. And in yeah. fact, I did opt to watch the extended cut rather than the theatrical version when I, before I watched Resurgence. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because um, there are some scenes that are put back in that are unnecessary. They've just put them in because they had them. Yeah. Uh, some of the editing is a bit dodgy. Like there'll be a scene where the music was very specifically scored to the structure of the original sequence. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene in the middle of it and they literally just drop the music, go to the <laughs> scene and then go back and the music comes back on. Yeah. Um, but, but in, in some way it sort of works because the scene is slightly comical so it, it almost works right um, but on a, on a different level um, the most interesting thing about the director's cut of the original Independence Day is the family of um, um, you know uh, you know hello boys yeah. I'm back his family okay um, in the original film he's got um, two sons and a daughter yeah and the youngest son appears to be travel sick all the way through the film because um, there's a bit where he runs out of, you know he's, he's led down mm. in, in the sofa at the back and he's got like a flannel on his head and there's a bit where they drive and then he runs out and throws up nothing more is made of that nothing the only thing that happens with that family is the uh, slightly edgy relationship the kids have with the dad because the dad's embarrassing and he saves the world at the end great happy days but in the director's cut the actual story is the youngest kid is ill and needs medication all the way through the film and his mother died of whatever illness he has uh, and whenever he's being sick, he's being sick because he doesn't have any medication. There's a big altercation with um, the elder son and the dad saying, you know, we're not coming with you. We're moving on because you're embarrassing and, and we've got to look after the youngest one and he gets upset and blah, 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 blah. And at the bit where Will Smith ends up in Area 51 with the alien that's still alive. Yeah. 
and they're, and they're rushing the alien down and Brent Spinner's character Spinner's character is like let's get into the uh, container room stat in the director's cut at the same time the uh, uh, is it Randy Quaid is that the actor Randy well, yeah, yeah. He, he's running in with the boy going you've got to help my son he's dying I need your help and that's running in tandem with that okay so nothing really more happens with that bit that's kind of it at the same time the daughter who barely has anything in it do you remember that she has a scene right at the beginning where she's with a boy in a car and he's yeah. like this could be our last night on earth you don't want to die a virgin to you yeah and then she gets dragged away well the next time they go to another camp she meets another guy with curly hair who she sort of falls for again and you sort of see there's a brief moment with them and then later on they're all together in Area 51 and she says to him during the big battle at the end where everyone's like cowering down she says the line to him and says right. oh you know this could be our last night on earth you don't want to die a virgin do you and he turns and says well if we if we do die we'll both be virgins and that's that and it's like she's got a little story there as well you know that sort of thing yeah. all that cut from the theatrical cut so that family has nothing else to do except the father family issue so there's was, all that in it to start with. I was surprised not to see that family touched on at in this, all in this film. Not because they particularly needed to be in there. They had no plot reason. They, they really were only in the first film by sheer chance. Hmm. Um, but just in terms of bringing everyone back, hmm. I was surprised. I'm not saying I wanted them because I think they just felt like an unnecessary addition. Um, but considering their father sacrificed his life to blow up the mothership well not not the mothership but the sub mothership I mm. guess the the one that was holding America to ransom mm. um, when they're having the Independence Day celebration the the war of 96 celebration you'd think his children might be you know VIPs or mm. something just, well, he's just, the guy who saved them all yeah just just a just a cameo of his kids hmm. because there's not even any real resolution to it and you know his son is stood there crying and he just gets tapped on the shoulder and goes your dad was a hero kid and that's it hmm. so just bringing them back is like VIPs at the uh, at the celebration or, or something and yet they felt the need to bring back uh, Brent Spiner's other scientist friend don't you notice this who's now his boyfriend was that was it his boyfriend in this? Is that what it was? That was my assumption. Yeah, it did seem slightly romantic, but I, I just I, kind of I, thought I, I overread it. That it was his boyfriend, but I don't remember that being at all even touched on. Not at all. But the fact that he was by his bedside day in day out, and and then you know how they parted ways at the end. It definitely. Oh, okay. I definitely assumed that it was supposed to be his boyfriend. I didn't really. I kind of took it as they were just kind of soft. <laughs> you know, and nothing more. But, I mean, he was in the first film and he has, like, two lines. He's yeah. virtually an extra. And yet he's, like, a main side character in this film. I thought, of all the ones that did survive in the original, that like you opted to not bring back, you know, that was quite mm. surprising to me. I just thought that was strange. Um, what else? Will Smith picture on the wall awful oh god yeah it didn't even it looked like they put a frame with a green screen and did on put it set after. and then put Will Smith on their own. it's probably because maybe they started filming thinking oh well we, you might actually still be in it so well, it was just like a post like an American flag yeah. or something on the wall probably and they thought oh we better CGI Will Smith into that probably 
Do you have any issue with the fact that they've recast um, Jeff Goldblum's daughter, who was uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum's daughter? No, sorry, yeah, Bill Palmer's daughter. Um, um, because I think it, I, I definitely think you can look at this cynically and say that. Um, uh, what's her name? May May Whitman, is it? Yeah, uh, Way Mitmore. Uh, Whitmore. Um, Whitmore. Is she? Yeah. No, no the character is Whitmore. Sorry, sorry. May Whitman, is it? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, got confused. The, yeah, the, the actress's name is May Whitman, and the character's name is Patricia Whitmore. Yeah, because she's a very so, successful actress now. I think. Yeah, she is very funny, very good actress. Mm. Um, I'd specifically remember her from uh, Scott Pilgrim mm. um, but uh, I I think there's a cynical way of looking at it and saying well she's not classically Hollywood beautiful and therefore she doesn't fit and all this but ultimately I'm not sure how the role uh, was written she'd have necessarily been the right choice for the role but then having said that with all the other actors they clearly wrote the role for the actor true whereas with her they've written the character and then worried about the actor later on mm. but nobody seems to be making much of a fuss at the actor that played Will Smith's I keep saying son but it's not his son is it it's his stepson stepson and in real life his I think he's his nephew or something or the original something? actor yes uh, yeah, Ross I, Bagley is the original actor. No one seems to be making any sort of fuss that they haven't brought him back. No, weirdly, uh, he's sort of still acting. There's mm. a little bit now and again, but you know, there's there's precedent left, right, and centre for child stars being recast. I, I tell you what, I, I would like to have seen in it more than anything actually mm. because ever since he seems to have done well he's quite iconic in sci-fi now is uh, the uh, dog uh, yeah where was the dog no yeah. um, Adam Baldwin who played um, one of the yes. Area 51 yeah. Jane Japan. from Firefly exactly mm. now what a feat and a, and a coup that would have been to have in him in it who's now acquired so much um, sort of um, yeah he's, he's a he's a cult yes hero yeah actually oh, so why wasn't he in it yeah, that, that seems like a no-brainer. Even if it's just a cameo with, um, yep. you know, just in a room full of military characters. Mm. He does. Does he survive the first one? Yeah, he does. His last line is to the the boy of the dad who saved him. He says, mm. "What your father did was really brave." Yeah, you know. Yeah, and he's there. That's it. They all survive. Everybody was in Area Fifty One at the end. Survived. Everybody did. Yeah. So, I don't know. Apart from Brent Spiner. Who actually did? Yeah, I, we, we rewatched that because Sarah. Um, Sarah. I don't think there's any. Word. There's any argument that he could still be alive. We. I rewatched it the other day, and I asked the person watching it with me, "Do you think this person is dead?" And they said no. And I thought, well, it's very obvious that he, that he is because his eyes are wide open, and they've checked his pulse, and they're not doing anything. Hmm. I know you can let that go and sort of go, you, you know, in his head, he's thinking, oh, he's got a pulse, but I'm just not going to say it out loud. <laughs> okay, but... Aliens did it. It's alien no, technology. But, no, but you could, you could argue that because he's had that psychic link, he's sort of like shell-shocked and frozen and just static. Mm -hmm. But what, what they should have done in this film, 
to establish that is had Whitmore after he's been used as the aliens vessel yeah. of communication yeah. to be led on the floor motionless eyes open and then revived mm. and that would have established that that is you know somebody goes into that sort of catatonic state mm. post contact mm. and then comes out of it and the reason Brent Spiner went into a coma is because so much else was going on mm. Well, they, you know, they just thought he was dead. Whereas this time, because of that, they know Whitmore is not dead, mm. and so they 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 revive him. But they, you know, they they missed an opportunity in this film to establish what ever since we saw Brent Spiner in the trailer mm. has been a criticism from fans of the first, mm. and they could have quite easily established why it's not a criticism, and chose not to. Lazy. Well, the whole thing is lazy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all very lazy. It's very lazy. It just... The other bit I wanted to mention was the speech. Mm. And they tried to do a bit where Bill Pillman gave another speech when he was in the aircraft hangar, I think, with yeah. Jeff Goldblum. And it was so sort of, oh, don't, don't bother. Don't even bother. It, it, it's just so... <sighs> thing is, there's a lot of a lot of tropes that I think the original Independence Day didn't necessarily start but re-engaged popular culture with yeah and now 20 years later we're at a point where these tropes are very tropey essentially <laughs> they're a bit troll um, it's you know it's, it's what I sort of call Pulp Fiction Syndrome which is you end up inspiring so many things that you yourself then feel tropey so when I now go back and watch Pop Fiction, it just feels like a generic, tropey crime film to me mm. because so many films have ripped it off now that I can't enjoy the original because I'm just bored of those sorts of films. And that's kind of also the case with the original Independence Day. What's ironic in this one is that it's Roland Emmerich himself that's responsible for all the films that have imitated it. And so he's out-troped himself, basically. Yeah, well, he keeps out-troping himself. It was... You know, it was aliens. No, aliens aren't good enough. Let's have a big monster. Oh, monsters aren't good enough. Let's have cold weather. Oh, cold weather's not good enough. Let's have a mind prophecy that destroys everything. <laughs> he just, he, you know, he got to the point where he couldn't even be bothered to think up a proper reason for the earth being destroyed. He just went, no, oh, yeah, magic. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, a uh, bit of trivia for you, but they, they were already sort of uh, in pre-production on Godzilla doing Independence Day and uh, Dylan in the first film Will Smith's son in it you know, mm -hmm. stepson he has a toy with him all the way through and it's a Godzilla toy is it really? Mm. it's one with three heads it's not mm. the main Godzilla but it's one of the characters from the Godzilla films um, so now Roland Emmerich is of course talking about another one which he can just forget about it because this film has massively underperformed we're a, we're a week after release yeah. and it has underperformed massively um, no doubt it'll do very well in China just like Terminator Genesis did and that, that's pretty much the, uh, the equivalent of this film having that having the original star in it and, and yeah. me, meaning to be some kind of you know really clever continuation of it and being a complete disappointment to everybody who really invested in it to you even more than me because I I find it tolerable whereas you Genesis yeah yeah I think we're kind of opposite opinions too definitely so how we are 
how we are with this. Um, I think the thing that I am most worried about now is uh, the new Stargate film. Yeah, which is the other project that he's talking about. Because the, the only difference is that he's talking about the new Stargate being a reboot mm. because the TV series took the mythology so deep that there's just no untangling that. Mm. Um, but, you know, you could try and get Kurt Russell back and go down the route of a sequel that ignores the TV series, but I think he's talking reboot. Most which, definitely. Which is fine. But I do wonder now what we're going to get. He, he very much seems like a director who used to be very character focused because he had to be yeah because he needed to keep the audience engaged and once he discovered CGI and spectacle he just stopped caring about characters and that is the total downfall personally I, I would say this is the best film for me this is the best film Roland Emmerich has made blockbuster wise anyway since Independence Day so I would argue that Godzilla and Day After Tomorrow have some merit only because Godzilla has, funny enough, a lot of this goofy crap, which I'm not mm. very fond of. At the time, I didn't get into Godzilla, but uh, over the years, I've, I've gone back and revisited it. Sort mm. of, and, and it is very intentionally goofy, but, yeah. not, but even still not to the degree that this is. And Day After Tomorrow, I actually thought was, was okay because it... it it's, it's played very straight day after tomorrow, and, and again I, that, that's why I think I like it it's much more straight like it's, it has the sort of the straightness that Independence Day did have mm -hmm. um, so I like that I, to a degree I could even watch 2012 but I would totally agree with your analysis that it's you know it's completely focused on spectacle and nothing mm. to do with any of the characters they're completely superfluous to what is going on it, it recycles plots from day after tomorrow mm. which is character needs to get from here to here mm. to meet somebody mm. um, it's just dumb and dull and it does that sort of annoying thing that disaster movies do where the character you're following happens to be passing through the carnage and get away completely unscathed mm. um, you know there's, there's none of that in Independence Day there's none of that in this mm. to be fair um and that sort of thing just seems seems a bit dumb to me but I think you know in a world where San Andreas exists I think disaster movies need to up their game San Andreas because San Andreas I think really brought back that sort of it had all the tropes of disaster movies hmm. but it had likeable characters and you cared about them reaching their goal yeah how are they going to do a sequel to that? I'm not really sure. Oh, but I, I don't know. Unless, don't it's, about that. unless it's going to be in a different natural disaster, but just another earthquake is like, why do you still live there? <laughs> just move. <laughs> just move away. <laughs> I'd agree. You're right, though. In fact, that's a great example of what, how we've, we've not moved past the point where these films aren't, aren't capable of being good anymore. Mm. We haven't. San Andreas is the perfect example, like I said, that you do actually buy into what's going on. You buy Absolutely. into the characters. You actually care whether they survive. Yeah. And if you don't care, none of it is... 
all the spectacle you can do whatever you like none of it matters if you don't care mm. and Independence Day Resurgence I did not care and this from a person that wanted to care more than probably anybody else I valued it much higher than and you, and you can't make the argument that oh well San Andreas has, has got the rock who is charisma personified because Independence Day has has got Jeff Goldblum, who's an incredibly charismatic actor. Absolutely. Um, you've got Judd Hirsch, who again is you know he's, he's great. You've got um, Bill Pullman. You know he's uh, he's not the Rock's sort of level of screen presence, but you know he's a damn fine actor. And sort of Ron Emmerich seems to have a similar talent to George Lucas which is get the worst possible performance from a great actor. Hmm. Um, I mean, Jeff Goldblum in this really, I draw parallels with Ewan McGregor in, in the Star Wars prequels where you've got somebody you know is a great actor, but it's just not there. There's just no lights are on, but no one's home. Hmm. I think I'd say that for a lot of the cast. Hmm. I, I, I do feel like... I, a tad bad for all the new cast members too I'm not saying that they are, they are really good actors but I'm sure they're a lot better than, than what they actually came out with there M- Mika Monroe we know is, is generally Mika good Mika Monroe is great but is she great in a blockbuster you know we've seen her in It Follows and The Guest the, these small indie films and she's really good in them yeah, but the only difference but, there is that there's a concentration on direction and, and character. And there's no reason why you can't have that in a big blockbuster. There's no reason. It's been done before. There's no reason why it can't happen now. There's enough people at computers painting lovely CG ships. Mm. You don't need to supervise them. You, as a director, Roland, need to focus on these guys who are sat in front of a blue screen trying to imagine what you've already got in your head. Help them out for Christ's sake. They need your help. They need the direction from you. Yeah. It wasn't there. Oh, I mean, it's it's more important than ever to have a solid actor's director in these blockbusters because we're getting closer and closer. I know there's been a little bit of a craze of moving away from that and back to practical at the moment, but that's only a nostalgia bit and that's mm. going to disappear again soon. Mm. Um and it's getting more and more important to get these performances out of these actors because they're good actors but you know they're acting against nothing Hmm. they're being told oh there's a big alien over there run away from it and I think it's telling that arguably the blockbuster with the best characters and the best performances for years decades even maybe is The Force Awakens mm. that had real props real ships real practical effects and a character director mm. you know a director that's cut his teeth doing character stuff and then gradually entered the world of bigger and bigger spectacle blockbuster ways and the next one down from that frankly for me is Star Trek and that's the same bloody director yeah again a lot of most of the scenes in Star Trek that involve people have practical effects you know the, yeah the space stuff is big CGI spectacle but all the stuff that's at a character level is all practical it's mm. you know they haven't despite the fact that Star Trek often gets criticised for being people in makeup they didn't take the opportunity that they had 
to, to make real alien looking aliens mm-hmm. they carried on with the practical effects and got these performances out of people I just want to reiterate again in case I didn't really make it clearer earlier Charlotte Gainsborough mm. where was she from in this film because I can tell if she was French or English or I thought she, I Mars. thought I thought she was English and then within the last sort of five ten minutes of this film they mentioned that she's French yep and I was like oh okay yeah but once I knew she was French I was like okay I I can see that she was French now but I just thought I thought she was English her dialogue stood out to me over everybody else's because I don't know if you noticed but nearly every line she did was ADR Mm. nearly every line was ADR you could tell she'd gone back in and done it all again it just stood out bear in mind I'm not an American audience or a Chinese audience or even a Welsh audience Mm. trying to place an accent Mm. I'm English and I thought her accent was English and it wasn't until somebody (laughs) told me it was French (laughs) it it was bizarre I thought it was bizarre maybe she played it with a much stronger French accent and then they ADR'd everything I really think that that is the case I think that they ADR'd it to to change the accent because for me whenever she was talking to Jeff Goldblum she wasn't in the same room as him Mm. you know visually she was sound wise she was not you can tell the, the, it's very clear the audio quality is entirely different it is from, from her dialogue to his and everybody else is in the room it's plainly obvious but it doesn't matter we're not paying attention to that because we're looking at all the big ships blowing up mm, definitely so I've never been more disappointed in my life rubbish okay that's how I feel I would say if you are a big fan of the original like a you know a big fan it's it's one of your faves give this a miss or or don't don't give it a miss but go in with a lot of caution you know you you're a big you're a big fan so go see it um but you probably won't enjoy it but if you like the original as sunday afternoon easy going entertainment give this a go you might enjoy it no you won't it's just shit (laughs) (laughs) hated it hated it okay thanks for listening to our pilot podcast you can find Geeks Talk Movies on Twitter Facebook Instagram YouTube and iTunes comment on our discussion using the hashtag Geeks Talk Movies (laughs) 